Good morning and welcome to worship at Selwyn Avenue Presbyterian Church. It is really good to see humans in the sanctuary this morning, even if there are so very few of us here. I'm heartened by your presence uh, and your social distancing and your masks. And I'm also glad to know that so many of our members have joined us this morning for worship on Facebook Live and Instagram Live. We are certainly glad that you are with us. You are here in the sanctuary with us in spirit, and we can feel you among us, and we're grateful. As many of you know, today marks a special day in the life of Selwyn Avenue. It is the day that we will finally install and ordain our incoming class of elders for the class of 2023, and we look forward to that. A few important announcements before we begin. Uh, the babies keep coming. Um, I'd like to welcome to our congregation two of our newest members. Uh, Evelyn Nicole Guffey was born to Josh and Brittany Guffey on July 6, 2020. And also last week, Charlie Grace Dusky was born to Jim and Cameron Dusky, and she is the granddaughter of Jean Grist Buchanan. We celebrate this new life that you're experiencing now in your families. Um, also, if you haven't signed up for our book clubs, you have until the end of the day today. There are six different uh, small groups that are reading a variety of books. The only commitment on your end is to read the book and join a small group discussion about what you've read and what you think about it. Please go to our website to find more information about that. And if you are with us on Facebook Live, look in our chat feed for information about our bulletin and our worship. And if you struggle with technology this morning, please know you can always come back to our website where you will find a link to a podcast and a link to this worship service as it's happening. Um, and now, let us prepare our hearts to worship God.
I invite you to rise in body if you are here with us and rise in spirit if you are at home worshiping as we begin to call ourselves to worship. Grace and peace to you for the one who is and was and is to come. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Christ appointed some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Christ did this to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, and for serving a broken world. And so we come together in oneness of faith and in certain knowledge of the Son of God. We come to bring glory to God alone and to celebrate his gracious gifts to all of us. In the spirit of unity and purpose, let us worship God. You may be seated.
brothers and sisters, in your baptism, you were clothed with Christ, and now you are called by God through the voice of the church to enter into the ordained ministry in the name of Jesus Christ. We celebrate God's particular call. We also remember with joy our common calling to serve Christ. Indeed, ordination calls the whole church to renewed commitment and reminds us all to bear gladly the yoke of Christ given in the covenant of baptism. Let us therefore confess our sin before God, reaffirming our baptismal vows, renouncing all that oppresses God's sovereignty, and affirming the faith of the church universal. Please join me in our prayer of confession. Merciful God, in your gracious presence, we confess our sin and the sin of this world. Although Christ is among us as our peace, we are a people divided against ourselves as we cling to the values of a broken world. The profit and pleasures we pursue lay waste to the land and pollute the seas. The fears and jealousies we harbor set neighbor against neighbor and nation against nation. We abuse your good gifts of imagination and freedom, of intellect and reason, and have turned them into bonds of oppression. Lord, have mercy upon us. Heal and forgive us. Set us free to serve you in the world as agents of your reconciling love in Jesus Christ. Amen. Hear these words from 2 Corinthians. So if anyone is in Christ, there is creation. Everything old has passed away. See that everything has become new. Brothers and sisters, trusting in the gracious mercy of God, do you turn away from sin, renouncing evil and its power in the world? Do you turn to Jesus Christ, acknowledging him as your Lord and Savior, trusting in his grace and love? Will you be Christ's faithful disciples, obeying his word and showing his love? We will, with God's help. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. We continue with our summer preaching series, The Greatest Story Ever Told. And we've come across a big one today. Found in the book of Exodus, chapter 14, it is the story of the Israelites crossing the Red Sea. Listen to these selected verses. As Pharaoh drew near, the Israelites looked back, and there were Egyptians advancing on them. In great fear, the Israelites cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What had you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die out here. But Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm, 
and see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you will only have to keep still. The angel of God who was going before the Israelite army moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and took its place behind them. And it came between the army of Egypt and the army of Israel, and so the cloud was there with the darkness. And it lit up the night. One did not come near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land. And the waters were divided. The Israelites went into the sea on the dry ground and the waters forming a wall on them on their right and then on their left. The Egyptians pursued, and they went into the sea after them, all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots and chariot drivers. At the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and cloud looked down upon the Egyptian army and threw the Egyptian army into a panic. He clogged their chariot wheels so that they turned with difficulty. The Egyptians said, Let us free from the Israelites, for the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and their chariot drivers. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at dawn the sea returned to its normal depth. As the Egyptians fled before it, the Lord tossed the Egyptians into the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the chariot drivers, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the Israelites walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore, Israel saw the great work that the Lord did against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Isn't this what we all need right about now? A Red Sea moment. Seriously. How many times have you prayed to God for God to show us the way out of this mess? How many times have you tried to shove a pacifier or a cup of goldfish or a video of Peppa Pig in front of your sweet child's face so you could have a serious Zoom meeting for once? How many times have you looked at the bills piling up and prayed for a chance to work safely? How many times have you prayed for your adult child who feels lost or alone or worried or grieved for all that is uncertain and unstable in their lives? How many times have you turned on the news only to see so many of our fellow citizens that are lamenting and suffering and even dying only to pray for God to save us, to do something, to reach down with God's hand and heal our world from a pandemic, to plant pillars of cloud and fire, to show our church and the nation the way to repentance and peace and reconciliation and, dare I say it, unity, 
How many times have you prayed to God in the midst of your own grief, your own loss, your own anxiety, your own physical or emotional or mental health, trapped, stuck, impatient, suffering? Come on, God. Can't you just show up and give us a Red Sea moment? Can't the God of creation, can't the God of the covenant of grace, the God of salvation, show us where to go and what to do? It's the first time we've stepped into this sanctuary for months. There are not too many of us here. And we've landed on one of the most ancient stories in all of scripture because you know and I know that we are either running from something or we are running to something. And while we haven't quite been running away, we sure are ready to run towards one another. We are ready to embrace our loved ones. We are ready to heal, to celebrate, to learn, to baptize our babies, to welcome one another. We are ready to serve and to know new people. Even if it's been a long time, we know what it means to run towards an uncertain and an unknown future, holding all the promises of God's grace, which is far less comfortable than what most of us at Selwyn are used to dealing with. And so we call on those who have gone before us from generation to generation, the ones who have fought for the common good, the ones who have sacrificed for a cause, the ones who taught us about God's grace and Jesus Christ, the ones who walked and walked and walked so that we might have a chance. If we stop and we remember, we know what it feels like to lay it all on the line and to walk along a seawall of chaos in the name of a promise, in the name of liberation and redemption, in the name of a God whose promises will see us through. Martin Buber was a renowned Jewish scholar who lived and wrote throughout the 20th century. As he explains, we remember events that reveal who God is because at some point long ago humans like you and like me experienced something profound within the realm of humanity and yet it was unexplainable and impossible and amazing full of grace and utterly not possible if not for the active hand of God and it is true what he says that Faith must be lived before it is really understood, which is why I expect some of you showed up here this morning to be ordained. But in the case of the Israelites, they all agree. They experienced something. And that experience revealed something profound about who God is and how God is. Sure enough, they ended up on the other side of that Red Sea, and while well, the Egyptians, they did not. And so they tell the story from generation to generation until we tell the story about that time God called us to community in spite of all the odds and took us through. And then we take great care to preserve the details, maybe not the facts, but the truths of the story. And so we remember that story. And you remember that story your mom told you about your great-grandfather and I remember that story about my grandmother escaping the Nazis and of course there are the days that our children are born or adopted and we all remember Peggy Jessup in the kitchen of our church and Don Schumann polishing the brass knobs of these sanctuary doors 
And we will certainly remember Eric Winkenwerder showing up every week so we can worship online together. And then there is that time your own heart exploded unexpectedly and unexpectedly beyond what you thought was even possible. And together we know that ours is a story of a God who loves us so much that God will harness the ends of the earth to provide a safe passage. Something less predictable is on the other side and something far more profound. And so we need a Red Sea moment because in those moments God reveals God's self. But as we catch a glimpse of how, at how magnificent God really is, we must also come to terms with maybe how small and how fragile we really are. And well, ugh, what if we don't make it? I mean, we have to give up everything? Are we really ready to move ahead? I mean, we better schedule some committee meetings and some task force meetings and some session meetings and lots of budget meetings, lots of those. And then the staff, we better consider all of our options because, well, there's COVID-19 and what if we run out or get tired or lose interest? And then there are all of the, the divisions in our national politics and we're all kind of strung out and weary and it's only July. We have to wear masks. We can't really sing except for, thank God for Diane Cordell. And we can't even hug. It's against protocol. It's against tradition. It's against the social hierarchy to leave. It's dangerous and risky. And by the way, there's no way our insurance is going to cover this trip. I don't know. Maybe we should just wait it out in Egypt. Don't you remember what it was like to cross the Red Sea? I mean, nobody tells you how hard it's going to be. As Robin D'Angelo recent said, recently said, our comfort is so seductive. Our comfort is so seductive that if we're not careful, we will choose it over all other things, even at the cost of other people's well-being, which is what our nation is wrestling with right now. But we pray for it anyway. We, we pray for the Red Sea moment. We pray for God to deliver us, to show us the way to break us free from the chains. We say, come on, God. If you want us to do this thing, you better, you better show us the way. We need a Red Sea moment. And then we keep doing the same things we've always done in the same place. We've always done them because the way to redemption and freedom seems downright foolish and terrifyingly impossible. What kind of preacher would I be if I told you all all the reasons that we're not going to make it through. Plus, at the end of the day, even if we can't explain the mystery of God's power and love and grace, you and I both know that God shows up. We know God's covenant holds true, a pillar of clouds by day, a pillar of fire by night, and so we walk and we walk. And then the threats, they press us in from behind, and an easter wind pressing the sea up one side and down the other, and darkness rushes in to confuse the Egyptians. Oh, hmm, the Egyptians. Powerful owners, controllers. They're not used to knowing how to respond or where to go or what to do, and now they're confused. Who do they pay to get what they need? How far will they ride to stay in control? Their greed and resentment and fear, it disorients them. And the Pharaoh with his hardened heart, he honestly believes he can and will do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. Never mind the plagues, 
Never mind the death of the firstborn of every child in his own land. Never mind his promise to let them go. The Pharaoh cannot stop because his heart is hardened. And so what are we supposed to make of this complicated thing that happens? Does God judge? Yes. Are there consequences for collective greed? Does God lament our blind assumptions, our complacency, our vitriolic fear? Yes. Does God understand our grief and our weariness and our exhaustion? Yes. You see, we need a Red Sea moment, but the truth is, sometimes we are Israel, but sometimes we are Egypt. And so we have to consider our collective fear and anger and our need for control and I wonder about a nation of heartbroken families that are left in Egypt. It says that God hardened their hearts, but I'm not sure I believe it. I can't quite get my head around a God of destruction. I know a God of unity and love and grace, and I wonder about the cost. I wonder what's happening here in our country. I don't understand why we're fighting so much. Why are we so angry? I wonder what it means to exhibit God's reign to the world right now. I wonder if we have the courage to come together and remember what it means to be called beyond our self-interest towards an unknown future full of promises. Because if we're going to remember this story, the story of God's revelation, God the creator, taking nature in the palm of God's hand for the sake of salvation, then we must remember God's ultimate revelation is in Jesus Christ. The one who walks on water. The judge judged in our place. What if we had been on the side of Egypt? Would we have been ready for the Red Sea to part? Could we have put down our weapons or dropped to our knees? Could we have brought up the rear and walked alongside? Would Miriam's song at the end of all of this been different? The one where she says, Sing to the Lord, for he is exalted high. Both horse and rider is hurled into the sea. Yay. By the way, it doesn't matter if we were an Israelite or an Egyptian or a Philistine. I don't really care who you are, where you came from. Even if we join the ranks of the Israelites, um, crossing the Red Sea is terrifying. There's no going back. We become refugees caught in between the constraints of our past and an unknown future. It is a baptism of sorts, a new birth. It's no wonder newborns are screaming when they come out into this world. Things were so good on the inside. And they couldn't have imagined in a million years how amazing things were going to be in this world. I'm pretty sure that's what death is like too. But this baptism for the Israelites is on dry land. Imagine the steep walls of chaotic water on each side. Rumor has it there was a dry baptism 16 years ago when one Rush Odie stood there at that pulpit and baptized Gray McLennan with some dust and some leaves because the elders forgot to fill the baptismal font. So I would say this is Gray McLennan's story. God's promises and baptism, they unfold right there in between captivity and redemption. Water is all around. And so if you want to know what it means to be a faithful disciple, you have to get used to living in between, already and not yet, redeemed, but yet still being redeemed. And that's not even the scary part. We pray for a Red Sea moment, and then the worst moment of all comes when we start walking, and we turn around, 
and we realize there's no going back. It's the groom on the altar, per se. It's the pregnant wife. It's the two-week notice that's been submitted. And then you see pillars of fire and clouds and the walls of water, and you shout, good God, get me back to Egypt. The problem with praying for a Red Sea moment is that we have to have the courage to walk through. How long does it take to walk through an epic canal seawater? All night. God says, don't you worry about what you're leaving behind. I got that. You just keep your hand up all night and walk and walk and walk. So if you're praying for God to intercede in your marriage, you better start walking towards something new. If you're waiting for that person to affirm you or apologize or to change the way way they interact with you, that may not happen. You need to start walking. Do you hear God calling you to something new or some place? You can see the pillar, but you can't quite figure out where it's leading you, but you know you have to walk. Someone is waiting for COVID-19 to clear up. At least we were back in April, but we're not waiting anymore. We're walking. Margot, we're moving. Lisa and Fred and Gay and Marsha and Steve, we're all going to walk. And all you folks who look for God, who need God, who expect God to show up in your life, if you are waiting, well, it's time to move. Because God is working in the world and in our lives and in our church right now. And for those of you who are going to be installed and ordained this morning, I need you to imagine the sound of an eastern wind that is so strong and so forceful that it's holding a sea back. And we're starting to move. We will need to comfort our children and help those who are struggling with mobility. If someone falls, we will need to be careful not to trample over them. We'll need to wait back and comfort them and help them along. We'll need to create space and a clear path for our friends who are not as familiar with how those Egyptians operate. They have been walking a lot longer than we have, and we need to learn to follow them. Because once we start walking, there's no going back. Let's bring on the Red Sea moment. Amen. Let us pray. God of all things seen and unseen, we pray that you will let your healing love be known this day to all who suffer ailment of body or distress of mind or agony of spirit. Holy God, reveal your compassion. God, let your intimate love be known today to all who feel forgotten or lost and all who are walking in the dark valley of despair. Holy God, reveal your compassion. God, let your fierce love be shown to those who suffer exploitation, injustice, abuse, neglect, and violence. Holy God, reveal your compassion. God, let your nurturing love today encourage those who are gathered to resolve and make tough decisions, those who are taking on new responsibilities or breaking free from responsibilities that they just can't do anymore. 
Holy God, reveal your compassion. God, let your relentless love this day upset those who have become self-centered, forgetting how to care for neighbor, how to reach to the edges. Holy God, reveal your compassion. Let your inspiring love this day rejuvenate all who have become weary to the roots of their souls. Holy God, reveal your compassion. We thank you for hearing us, most loving God. With the whole body of believers in time and eternity, we want to love, praise, and serve you today. We pray all these things through Christ Jesus, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, we now enter into a time of offering. Let us enter into this time sharing with God the gifts of the earth and the gatherings of our lives so that they may be better used to bless God's kingdom here on earth. The text to give instructions will be placed in the chat this morning, but the number is 704-734-9818. Let us return our gifts to God.
Let us pray together as we dedicate the gifts of our lives. O God, the author of peace and lover of concord, to know you is eternal life, to serve you is perfect freedom. Guide us by your truth and order us in all our ways, that we may always do what is right in your eyes. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You all may be seated. As in one body, we have many parts, and each part its own function. So all of us together with Christ is one body, and we all belong to each other. We have different gifts according to the grace that God has given us. If your gift is to hear God's word, then speak it out in faith. If your gift is service, then live to serve others. If you have the heart of a teacher, then teach what is true. Let preachers preach with conviction and givers give freely. Let leaders work diligently for the people and let those who serve the poor serve gladly. Let us not lack for enthusiasm, but be ardent in spirit serving the Lord rejoicing in hope, patient in suffering, constant in prayer, supporting one another, and welcoming all. I have seen evidence of these words over the last several years. And before we ordain and install our newest class of elders, I would just like to take a moment to thank those of you who are rolling off the session as an active elder with the class of 2020. We are grateful to and for Ashley Armistead, Matt Baskerville, Pam Brownlee, Meg Dewey, Andrew McClellan, Jay Pfeiffer, Chris Phillips, Olin Smith, and Laura Stark. Over the last three years, these dedicated people have served this congregation through their time and talents and commitment as they have worked on a variety of committees and projects, not the least of which has been the renovation in our Roots and Wing campaign. We also extend our gratitude to Jonah Cameron for his contributions as a youth elder this past year. Thank you all very much. And now um, I'm going to invite Lee Bobbitt, our clerk of session, to come take his place in the lectern. And I'd like to introduce you all to our new class of elders for 2023. I'm going to call you each by name, and you all can find your spot here on the floor. Um, please know that Denny Pfeiffer and Lou Waple have been placed on the table. They could not be with us. They have been previously ordained, and so they will be installed um, virtually as it, as it goes. Um, our first elders, J.D. Yearwood. J.D. and his wife, Jamie, have been member for, members for few years now, several. They have three daughters, Emmy, Hattie, and Annie. We are waiting to baptize Annie still. JD is going to serve on the session on the communi communications team and congregational life. Chris Barr. Chris Barr is here with his wife, Mylise, uh, and they have two teenagers, Carson and Addie. Chris is going to serve on the mission group and in congregational life. Shannon Brown is married to her husband, Chad, and they have one son named Hugh, who is 10 years old. Shannon's going to serve in the congregational, in the congregational life group. 
Andy Sontag is married to Katie Sontag. They have two young boys. Matthew is five and Andrew is two. Andy is going to serve in congregational life and stewardship. Suzanne Newsom grew up in this church. Her mother, Betty Sue Newsom, is a faithful member. They have two, uh, she's married to Erica Weekenwerder, and they have two grown children, Eli and Andrew. Suzanne um, will serve on the worship committee and in personnel. Bob Cole can stay right where he is if you could stand for us. Bob and his wife Joanne have been long-standing members. Um, he's been previously ordained um, and has served several times. And Bob, you can just stay right there where you are in your pew. You can stand and look good, but you don't have to come up front. There you go. And then last but not least, Susan Flynn. Susan is here with her husband, Ed. She also has been previously ordained. Uh, they have three grown children, which I cannot believe. Uh, William, JP, and Mary. Um, and Maggie Frasher is at Camp Cheerio, so our youth elder will be ordained and installed in due time. Um, so I'm going to come down there and ask you all some important questions. Um, you all, why don't you all face me? Also online, we've got Denny Piper right here. She cannot be with us today. She's married to Bobby. She has previously been ordained. Her son, Marshall, maybe 15 by now, a rising ninth grader, and her daughter, Sydney, is a rising eighth grader. And Lou Waple, um, his wife is Shelly Waple. Emma Henson is a rising ninth grader. And Nelson, seventh grader. I think that's where we are. Give me a thumbs up, Lou. Yep, got that right. Um, Lou will be serving in the administration group and personnel, and Denny will be working uh, diligently with the congregational life group. So thank you all for being here with us. Okay. All right. We invite you now to respond to the ordination and installation questions. Do you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, acknowledge him Lord of all and head of the church, and through him believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Do you? Do you accept the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be, by the Holy Spirit, the unique and authoritative witness to Jesus Christ in the church universal and God's word to you? Do you? Do you sincerely receive and adopt the essential tenets of the Reformed faith as expressed in the confessions of our church as authentic and reliable expositions of what scripture leads us to believe and do and will you be instructed and led by those confessions as you lead the people of God do you and will you will you fulfill your ministry and obedience to Jesus Christ under the authority of scripture and continually guided by our confessions will you Will you be governed by our church's polity? And will you abide by its discipline? Will you be a friend among your colleagues in ministry, working with them, subject to the ordering of God's word and spirit? Will you? Will you, in your own life, seek to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, love your neighbors, and work for the reconciliation of the world? Will you? 
Do you promise to further the peace, unity, and purity of the church? Do you? Will you pray for and seek to serve the people with energy, intelligence, imagination, and love? Will you? Will you be a faithful ruling elder watching over the people providing for their worship, nurture, and service? Will you? Will you share in government and discipline, serving in councils of the church? Will you? Will you, teaching charity, urging concern, and directing the people's help to the friendless and those in need, and in your ministry, will you try to show the love and justice of Jesus Christ? Will you? So these people have all been nominated and elected and examined by this church and by our session, and they have all affirmed their willingness in taking the vows of ordination. And so at this time, we will embark on an ancient ritual for those of you who have um, not been ordained, um, or the ritual of laying on of hands. So if you've been in... Hmm? I think maybe Lee should ask a couple questions of the congregation first. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Do we members of the church accept these men and women as elders chosen by God through the voice of this congregation to lead us in the way of Jesus Christ? Do we agree to encourage them to respect their decisions and to follow as they guide us, serving Jesus Christ, who alone is head of the church? Good. <laughs> now, Bob and Susan, you guys can be seated if you would like. Um, and I would invite the family members of those who have not been ordained to come forward with your red blankets and for those who are being um, ordained, if you can kneel facing the cross. Normally what happens at an ordination service is all of those who've been previously uh, ordained are invited to come forward and to lay your hands, representing the generations of those who have served the church in this way. Because of COVID-19, we can't do that. So what we're doing is we've asked a family member to come represent the congregation and lay your hands on your loved one. And you can wrap the blanket. This is a Selwyn Avenue Presbyterian Church red blanket representing the Holy Spirit. And as they place it on your shoulders, remember that you are being um, enveloped and, and honored and trusted by our congregation as if they are all laying their hands upon you. Uh, and together, we, we will pray. That's also true for Susan Flynn and for Bob Cole and for Lou and for Denny who have already been ordained. We are praying on your behalf too in this moment. Let us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for your steadfast faithfulness to us. In every age, you have called forth leaders to serve you and equip them with your gifts. Among your people, Israel, you anointed prophets and priests and rulers. You called pastors and teachers, bishops and elders and deacons to build up your church. With Moses, the 70 elders bore the burdens of your people, ministering in the power of your spirit, alongside the apostles. Deacons cared for all in need and guarded the community's peace. In the church, deacons, elders, and pastors served together so that your whole people 
might be equipped for ministry and built up into the full unity of Christ. For your servants of every age, O God, and for the church of Jesus Christ, we give you thanks and praise. Holy God, we ask that you pour your Holy Spirit upon every person here who has answered your call to serve as an elder in this church, especially this class of 2023, that each one may be your faithful elder in this church. Give them prudence and sound judgment, wisdom and courage to order the life of the church in obedience to your word. Nourish them in the life of the Holy Spirit that they may exercise the ministry of discipline with humility and compassion. We ask you to guide them in governance on this session and in every court of the church, that they may be servant leaders following Christ who came not to be served but to serve and to give his life to set others free. Give them joy in the walk of faith and a sure sense of your abiding presence for the work of ministry. We ask all of these things in your Son, our Lord, Jesus Christ, the one who we follow and the one who we serve in all things that we do. Amen. And now on behalf of, of the Church Universal, God the Father Almighty, Holy Spirit, and our Lord Jesus Christ, I declare that you are ordained and installed as servants of Selwyn Avenue Presbyterian Church, and that as you move forth in leadership, you do so in unity, and in grace, and in courage, and in peace, that these things that we're doing will glorify God, and that uh, we will find great joy in our work together. Amen. I'd love to hug every one of you, and I'm not allowed to Amen. do that. So if you all can just go back through that way to your seat. Now we'll join together in a blessing that's found in your bulletin, either online or in your hand. May God's word be in your heart. May God's, May God's word, word be on, on your lips. lips. May God's word be in your touch. May God's word direct our feet on this day and all the days to come. May God's word be the life we live. Now, my friends, may, may God's love surround you with a sense of peace and joy. And maybe you go out this day serving the Lord in all you do and all you save until we come back together. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, now and forevermore. Amen. <laughs>